Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today to writer, director and actor Jackie Van Beek. Jackie developed her craft in the late 90s in the Wellington theatre scene, writing, producing and performing in a range of productions. In 2005, she created and toured black comedy My Brother and I Are Porn Stars, playing in Melbourne at the Edinburgh Fringe and selling out two seasons in in London. And I was lucky enough actually to see her in that show in in Edinburgh. More recently, she's moved into the world of films and TV, directing a number of short films to critical acclaim. In 2014, she won Best Supporting Actress for her role in What We Do in the Shadows. In 2017, she co-wrote, co-directed and co-starred with her friend Madeline Sami in The Breaker Uppers, which was then bought by Netflix. She's been a more regular feature on our TV screens here in New Zealand in recent times, starring in comedies, Funny Girls and Educators. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Jackie's career journey today. Kia ora, Jackie, and thank you very much for joining. Kia ora, thanks for having me. So I would love to start a little way back, if I may, and think back to when you were a child or even a teenager. What were you thinking about in terms of, of your future career? I was like that classic, creative, young girl who aspired to be like a famous singer or a famous dancer or a famous actress. I was constantly like getting my parents and and my poor parents' friends to sit down at dinner parties and watch me perform with my sister, these wonderful, very long, very amateur kind of dancing and singing routines. So yeah. Super. So that's always been a, a bit of, I guess, a dream and part of your life. And there is, I, I know for some people who've maybe moved into that world, sometimes is at that at point in time as you get a bit older and you realise as a career, this is maybe a little bit precarious, maybe a bit unpredictable. You tell me as your thoughts, as you got a bit older, what were your thoughts about pursuing this more full on as a career? Well, I never really questioned it, to be honest, um, because I just love what I do so much. I do a variety now of acting, writing, directing, script advising, mentoring, as well as parenting, three beautiful young children. So I've never really questioned that that's what I want to do. I remember my mother questioned it first. I think I was in fifth form, which is like, you know, when you're kind of 15 or so. And she sent me to a night course to learn how to type. And she called it like a like it was like a plan B or a kind of backstop or something, um, which I thought was absolutely crazy. But I can see her point now, you know, that she was worried that I wouldn't have a kind of plan B if my plan A failed. But plan A's gone quite well. I mean, I lived many years kind of just borrowing money quite poor on different benefits, racking up debt. But um, it's all it's all working out quite well now. It has, it's all worked out in the end. And I should say, so Jackie and I actually know each other from when we were kids. Our parents are good friends, having travelled out together on a boat for six weeks from Europe to New Zealand. So I can imagine Judy packing you off to, uh, to night school to learn typing. I mean, what I did, of course, what I did, of course, is she would drop me there or I'd walk there. And then I'd just wander the school because it was at my high school. It was after I was at my high school. So I knew the school, you know, really well. And I'd just wander the corridors. I think I turned up to like one class in high 
hindsight, I wish I was a better typer. But of course, as a 15 year old, you don't think about jumping on those opportunities your parents offer you like that. Yes, no, I'm not sure that many 15 year olds listen to the wise advice of their parents, particularly when it comes to future careers. And what then were your first job or, or jobs? Well, I came out of high school and started just trying to get show like theatre shows going. I enrolled full-time in a contemporary dance course because I was very excited about contemporary dance. I also enrolled full-time at Victoria University in Wellington with a full-time course. So I was trying to do these full-time courses plus also make shows at like Pat's Theatre. So it was quite a kind of crazy but fun time where I was totally overcommitted But I think my first jobs where I actually earned money, I was asked to be a part of the improvisers, which is a professional, you know, improvising group. They play a lot of theatre sports and, you know, do corporate jobs. And so I, um, I got in with those guys and, yeah, and started earning money like that, which, of course, as, an, as a 17-year-old, I spent at the pub on my friends. There's worse places probably to spend it. And I think nice, actually, that even at the early stage, you did find a way to get paid for doing the thing that you loved as well. It didn't stop me taking out a full student loan on top of that job. I mean, I think a lot of people my age now look back and they go, I wish I'd just earned my money and not borrowed all that money. But that was another mistake. You may not have had so much fun, though, if that were the case. And you've talked a bit about some of the early year being challenging in terms of financially, probably challenging. Perhaps what were some of the, the other highlights and challenges of those first few years of your career? You know, I did my I did my first year of my contemporary dance course and then realised it was quite a strict discipline. Like you had to be, you know, not too hungover. You had to be there on time as a dancer and they worked you really hard. And it was very hard for me to fit in everything else because it is such a kind of, you know, a strict discipline. And, and, you know, rightly so. So I kind of did a year of dance and then just switched to trying to do as many uni courses as I could and then really focused on theatre and just getting together with friends and putting on these crazy shows that, you know, were pretty haphazard. I think one of my favourite reviews that I always quote was for a show that I did with Gentian Lupi and Brett McKenzie and a couple of others. And the review was, I would rather have been trapped inside on a rainy day with a bunch of screaming eight-year-olds than have sat through this show. I mean, we were so stoked that we'd got a review. Like, we were celebrating, you know. Like, I mean, it was a dire review. So I put on, like, these crazy shows that didn't make any sense, but I just absolutely loved it. And, and of course, slowly would learn more and more from making so many kind of, I guess, mistakes is a harsh way to put it, but through trial and error, kind of learn a little bit more about storytelling. But yeah, so I mean, so I just kind of felt like I did that for years with my friends. It was the best time ever. I can imagine. And equally listening to that review, it also evoked a reaction. So almost it's better than being vanilla and a bit mediocre. In some ways it's better to be noticed, even if it's a quite a strongly negative reaction. I guess that's one of the challenging things is that your work in the field that you do is always open for criticism and, and for review. Yeah, often um, often quite polarising some of that stuff I was doing early on. I just still am just so grateful and amazed that places like Bats Theatre kept programming us, even though like we'd get zero box office pretty much, never make any money. You know, a few people would come and they just kept giving us the opportunity to practice, you know, our craft and put on these shows. Really, I do think of Bats Theatre uh, as a kind of, a creative development kind of lab, really, just letting us continue to put on these ridiculous shows. They equally must be proud of seeing actually that investment or that faith in yourselves as an early age and the different successes that you've you've each gone on to and over time. 
Yeah, I hope so. I think so. Yeah, they developed so many kind of creative spirits over that time in Wellington. Yeah. And then what was the journey into, you know, you've talked a little bit about perhaps producing theatre, acting in the shows, doing the writing. What was your journey then into film? Well, I, I moved to Auckland when I was in my early 20s, just for a kind of change, and kind of started getting into more kind of writing, you know, writing plays and really trying to understand the craft of being a playwright. And then, and then it wasn't actually until I moved to Australia, that, like I was 29 by that point, that I, I kind of fell into filmmaking because when I moved to Australia, I didn't have any of my kind of theatre friends and colleagues and networks and are still desperately wanting to create things. Yeah, I started making short films over in Australia. So it happened quite late, really. And then I just absolutely fell in love with, with that kind of medium. And I made a short film every year for seven years and then went on to making features. So just, again, like I did with theatre, I just really learned by doing it and, you know, making lots of mistakes and working with different people that taught me a lot. Yeah, so I kind of did that. And you said you really loved that medium. What is it about that you really love? Well, I loved that you can control it. And, and I love theatre because it is because you can't control it. So I love both things. But I was like, oh, wow, like you can shoot the footage and then you can construct it in your own time by yourself in a room or with an editor. Like it's so different from theatre, like it um, uses a, a slightly different part of your brain. And I just really fell in love with, I guess, kind of how intimate the medium is because, you know, you can be with the camera, you can be so observational or so close to these performers and really, of course, you know, just choose where to put the camera and just like really have, I guess, more control over what you share with the audience. And I just loved that challenge of trying to work out how I would um, present something to an audience. Whereas in theatre, of course, you do so much work, but you're always presenting it in a wide shot, if you like, in a theatre space. And why I love theatre so much is, is because it's live and I love, I'm quite addicted to that thing. If you make a mistake, like it's a mistake and you can't cover it. Like you, you have to somehow find a way to carry on. I love that. But film was nearly the opposite. You talked about that kind of the wide shot versus actually the intensity of seeing somebody's face or emotions close up and being able to share that with an audience. Yes, can be so, so powerful. Yeah, so intimate, you know. I found it such an intimate medium. Yeah, I really, I really love it. And it can be, I'm guessing, not necessarily the easiest journey to make into going from short films then into feature films, which I'm guessing require a much larger budget and crew and and, uh, everything that goes along with that. How was that journey? It was bloody hard. It was really tricky. the, the, The hardest kind of component by far for me was I got became familiar with writing an eight to 14 minute kind of story or slice of life. And I, I became, you know, yeah, familiar with that. But then when I tried to write something that would last 80 to 90 minutes, I found it incredibly difficult. I guess the craft of writing a screenplay, I found I really had to work at that. So the, the other elements I didn't find that difficult. Getting the finance is always difficult because instead of $8,000, you need preferably 800 Let's just say a lot more, depending on your vision, you know, depending on what you're envisioning and what you want to do. But yeah, I didn't find it that hard because, you know, with short films, you're always practicing working with actors, so directing actors, visualizing things and storyboarding things, how you're going to cover a scene. But it really was that the real challenge for me was telling an, an eight minute story compared to an 80 minute story. And I worked for my first 
feature film, which was actually a drama called The Inland Road that I made the year before the Breaker Uppers. That took me seven years to write that screenplay as I was making my short films, as I was practicing as a director and a writer. But I just, it was, it was really difficult. But fun. Yeah, a fun challenge. I can imagine. You know, it strikes me, as you said, you wear all those different hats, not only writing, producing, directing, acting, but also mentor, period. And, and now you've got to the, I'm guessing, the stage where you have potentially a bit more choice over which work you choose to say yes to, which you choose to put your energy into. How do you now decide which things you, you, you might throw yourself into? I've always been like this, actually. I always like to create my own work. That's usually my preference, to create something that comes from my head, heart, or however you like to think about it, a blend. That's always been my passion. So I still predominantly do that. But I do love working on other people's projects as well, especially if it's only for a short time. Quite enjoy that because I learn so much working with other people. I generally say yes to anything that thrills me or I think, oh my gosh, that's really challenging. I don't know if I could do that. Or if I get an opportunity to work with a certain actor or a certain director, if it kind of thrills me and I think, oh, that that will be challenging, I kind of gravitate towards those opportunities rather than anything I've done before or anything easy. I go, oh no, I'll let someone else do that. (laughs) That's really interesting. And I think about other people's careers where often actually sometimes it's a little bit more about building up and playing it a bit more safe as you go through. Whereas from the people that I've spoken to, actually doing those things which provide that challenge or stretch or out of your comfort zone where you really know you're going to learn something, those tend to be the ones that people have said in retrospect were really hard, but actually that have where they've grown the most in doing those. Yeah, and it helps you to realise your next project, you know, or you can kind of grow your grow your vision when you, as you start to learn. I think the tricky thing about sticking to that, um, I guess, philosophy is when money comes into it. You know, sometimes you'll be offered something and there'll be a really good chunk of money attached to it. And I'll look at it and think, oh, the project isn't thrilling me, but the money would be so good. You could start to pay off your mortgage or feed the kids and stuff that legally we're, we're all meant to be doing. And of course, which we are. But I do try and stay very conscious about trying to take money out of the equation, if I can, if our family's in a situation where we can, you know, when we're lucky enough to be able to take money out of the equation when deciding on the projects, which is, you know, a very lucky position to be in. But I do try and not think about the money and think, do I want to spend a year on this project or however long it is? And often I will, um, I will say no to those ones. The money makes it tricky. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure it does. And I think that challenge between kind of doing something that you love to do versus paying the bills is a challenge that actually many people face and, and hopefully somewhere in the along the way there's a place where you can do both. And as you look back, Jackie, and your kind of career to date, what would you say have been some of the, the toughest challenges or moments? I think, you know, and, and the toughest are often paired with the most rewarding as well, like you were saying before. I think one of the toughest periods of my creative life was trying to get my first feature film financed. It just felt like it was impossible. Like my producer and I kept, you know, trying to move forward, but 
it was very hard to get that film financed. And I found that very challenging. Like it was quite, because it becomes quite emotional because of course it becomes quite personal. You start kind of asking yourself, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't know how to write. Maybe I'm not worth supporting. Everyone who applies for things in all industries starts to, once you've had a series of rejections or people are putting up obstacles, the self-doubt starts to creep in. And that was very hard, but we did get it financed. And and when I was at the premiere of that film, we were able to premiere it at the Berlin Film Festival. I mean, that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life because we'd fought so hard to get that film up. To see it being played in front of this huge audience was just so incredible. And I just felt so, yeah, so lucky and proud of everyone in the film. And like, it felt like an against all odds situation. And so much more of an accomplishment because it had been so hard. Yeah, yeah. That kind of experience that you talked about being rejected or, you know, doubting actually, am I worth investing in or is my writing good enough? Or, you know, how did you personally cope or get through that? Thankfully, my producer is also a very good friend of mine, Aaron Watson. We worked on most of the sh- our short films together So we really stuck together as a tight team. You know, it didn't fracture, which can happen so often to teams under pressure, I think. But we never fractured. We kept supporting each other. We kept, you know, just really consolidating the vision and just kept moving forward together. So I do a lot of collaboration these days. Most of my projects, you know, I collaborate very closely with, say, Madeline Sami on The Break Rappers, or I've just made another movie with my good friend, Amand Ballantyne, or have someone that... I don't know, like, I just think, you know, it is such a precarious industry and it can feel very, you know, personal, especially if you're you're telling personal stories and um, just to have someone there who you consider, you know, a very good friend is, is crucial, I think. I think it is. Otherwise, I can imagine it might be a little bit lonely, particularly if you're moving from project to project rather than actually necessarily having that long-term piece. Having those people who are a bit more stable or you really partner with can, would make a big difference. You talked about that that Berlin Film Festival being one of your proudest moments. Yeah, are there any other moments? If you look back now, I think I'm really proud of that. So many. Like, I mean, I guess the feeling for me often is I had it actually when Madeline and I and Celia Pacola and Anna Scottney were standing up on stage at, at the Sydney Film Festival. Uh, the Breaker Rappers was invited to be the, the gala, you know, the opening gala film. And we were standing up on stage just before our film played and looking at this beautiful building and this huge crowd of people that had turned up. And my feeling is it's not pride, it's kind of amazement. It's like, how did this happen? Like, it always just feels like a miracle that you've arrived in this moment. And I had the feeling again just actually last month. And it's been a very tough year for a lot of people trying to get their films into production with the, of course, the constant lockdowns and, you know, everything feeling very precarious and very hard to get insurance on films this year. And and we managed to get a film into production, a film called Nude Tuesday, which we've just finished shooting. And, And I was up a mountain. We were doing a huge kind of this beautiful uh, nude sequence in in the sleet up this mountain, and I just thought, how, I just looked around. It was epic, and I just thought, again, that same feeling of amazement of like, how have we managed to get to this moment? And I just find it so thrilling. So like, you just feel like the luckiest person in the world, and it's nearly a kind of disbelief. I'm always a little bit that feeling of like you're scared that you're going to wake up and it was all a dream. But I just feel like, yeah, I get, you know, as well as the stresses and things that go with the job, I do feel like I'm just jumping from moment to moment of this quite pleasurable amazement that all of these people have come together to create these weird projects. 
Mm, and you talk about it as being amazement, but I guess there are 20 plus years of hard graft that sit in behind there as well. I know. I, I work, I do work super hard. You know, I, I really do, especially with the writing. You know, I will rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And I tend to collaborate, you know, to look for people that do, that are as, I guess, as what's the word? Is it obsessive? Maybe the word's obsessive, (laughs) you know, because I do just truly believe that if, you know, there's not much money around and if you are asking for a share of that money, like what you're proposing needs to be either incredibly original or risky or needs to be just so extremely good, I guess. I I always make sure that I'm not getting, uh, getting lazy or apathetic. Um, especially when there isn't very much money to go around for creating work, you know. A good, I think probably a, a good healthy perspective to have in terms of not resting, not being satisfying with okay, but actually recognising, yeah, this is to be really good, as you said, really different somehow to, to be able to justify that, that investment. And then you talked about, kind of, you know, you work really hard. How do you find a balance somewhere in there between your work and, and your broader life? Now, that has been tricky. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it is for most of us, don't worry. (laughs) And I have had feedback from the family on that. I think I'm better at it now. I think when I was, like I talked about, when I was trying to get that first feature up and it just, it seemed like such a difficult and impossible mountain to climb. You know, I have a a kind of tunnel vision. I become obsessive. I stop seeing and hearing what's around me. And that was tricky when you have, you know, a beautiful husband and three children. And, you know, so I'd have to be reminded by Jesse of like, you know, like you need to shut the computer and, you know, come outside, we'll go for a walk. But I think since, I think I have got better at that. And I definitely have. And just, I think because I just value, especially this year, like I just value having a lovely family and also I've become a little bit more domestic this year, which I'm sure most people have because we've been locked inside our houses. Like I actually just like really, it really am starting to value like the place that I live. We have a garden now, really value the family. And so it's quite, quite naturally kind of, even though I work hard, I do try to, you know, really prioritize those family times and seeing friends and taking care of the house and the garden and and those kind of more sustaining things to try and keep everything moving concurrently forward, I guess, or kind of, yeah, so one thing doesn't start to outweigh the other too much. Which I guess is in many ways, but the concept of balance and, you know, there will be times when one maybe does outweigh because of need or priority or timing, but you're finding that way to find that balance through. So that overall, like the way you talked about it, we're moving forward concurrently, which is a nice way to think about it. And I'm conscious that the, particularly maybe the film industry has been on a global basis, fairly male dominated in terms of particularly the directing side in terms of maybe the range of roles that are available to women of a certain age, what obstacles or challenges have you maybe faced as a woman in your career? Uh, yeah, because I started making films just in a tiny little bubble in a very bogan suburb called Braybrook in in Melbourne. Like I wasn't really, when I started making films, I wasn't really part of an, an industry at all. I was just trying to figure it all out. And I'd hire a camera and go to a strange part of Australia and shoot these little things. I was very much entered the film industry, you know, where I wasn't having those personal experiences of being knocked back because I was female, for example. But I mean, certainly if you look at the stats and you 
turn to the person next to you if, if you're at, say, the big screen symposium and women have had it so hard for so long, you know, in terms of having a voice or, or being thought of for a job. And I just still think even though there's been a huge improvement in the last, you know, three to four years in New Zealand with a lot of great initiatives set up by the guilds and funded by the New Zealand Film Commission, really encouraging um, women to, you know, not only continue to write, but step into those directorial roles, you know, which has been so fantastic. But I still believe that we're still fighting so hard to be thought of as an equal contender for a job than your male counterpart. And I think that's just a lifetime of brainwashing from people. But I, I feel heartened that the more and more role models there are, like, internationally, Madeline and I would constantly be talking about, you know, Tina Fey or Bridesmaids, all these things that started to happen, you know, just always talking with kind of such hope and really pushing forward. But yeah, constantly feeling why, why, why do people, you know, if they're especially like say in the commercial world, if you're thinking, oh, okay, I need a comedy director for an ad, well, you know, why do people, why is the default thought male first, you know? And that's something that, of course, we're all pushing to change by making great work and having people see the good work and go, oh, yeah, maybe we could employ a female to direct this commercial, which seems ridiculously simplistic, but it's amazing how the attitude, that old attitude is still really hanging around. And I do imagine it will take a long time for it to fade away. And that kind of perception of maybe women can be funny too. You know, I think the, the sort of the comedy world has been more male dominated, but, you know, let alone the financing of films, as you talked about that kind of being a, a big challenge. But I'm also heartened to see, yes, there has been change. I think I've got my better stat in the last few days, actually, about the number of films worldwide and in the last year, over 30% were directed by women. And that is a massive shift from just a few years ago. So there is hopes that things are changing. That's right. I think three years years ago, it was 7%, you know, it's just kind of make you want to kind of curl up and, and cry or put on your boxing gloves and get out there and go, come on. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just equal opportunities. That's, that's all everyone who's not getting them wants. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And where do you see your career now heading in the future? I am very much, you know, along the same trajectory. I'm still, as I said, you know, my greatest passion is to be creating my own work in collaboration with others, but coming up with, with my own ideas and my own visions and then collaborating with great people to realize them. More and more, I, you know, I think, I don't know, it's, for some reason, it's something about my age. I think I'm 44 now. Like I, I want to be in on every single conversation on, on the projects that I'm involved in, which means, you know, moving more into a producer role as well. Yeah, I have a real want to be across every conversation, every decision. And I think that just comes with, because I've got so many opinions about how money should be distributed or the way we should, the creative process should run and so I feel like there's a bit of a, a bit of a shift into that. I think is is what I'm predicting for myself. But whilst also continuing to write and perform and direct, and also to mentor, I'm looking to get back into a bit more mentoring and teaching, um, which I really enjoy. Just to keep, especially for emerging female practitioners, to keep making sure that they are working hard and putting in those applications to give themselves a fair shot getting productions up. And how wonderful for them to work with you as a role model, you know, that sort of saying, look, it hasn't been easy and these are some of the struggles, but also you know, for them to be able to see actually how that hard work has paid off in the end. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. And what career advice would you have for other women? Oh, oh, career advice. For other women, I would say um, this isn't advice, but it is something that it's just about 
I think what's holding a lot of women back at the moment when I speak to um, speak to others is just a self-confidence, is not to let that voice of self-doubt kind of start to dictate your choices. You know, and maybe like I've said, through collaborating with some good friends, so you feel a little bit more bolstered and supported, but trying to stay confident and really, really just, just pushing hard to, you know, in the creative industries, pushing hard to make work and to get your scripts read and your voices heard. Um, like you do have to push pretty hard. And yeah, my advice would be certainly don't do the old traditional thing of sitting around, you know, waiting for the money to arrive. Like just get out there and make stuff. Like if you want to direct films, get out your phone and grab a few buddies and just make a film one night. Like just to start building a body of work up so that you've got something to show people and something that you feel proud of. I just don't think we have time to kind of wait. That's my feeling. Wonderful advice like that. I don't think we have time to wait. Just get out there and, and get going, get on and do it. Jackie, thank you so much. It's been, um, it's been fantastic to speak to you today and to hear about that journey, but also all the different hats that you continue to wear and how I'm sure that they complement each other as well. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Anna. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.